everyone, and welcome back to the Blackbird Film Podcast. I am Madison. And I am Mitch. Today we have a very special guest with us. He is a director, writer, and producer. For the last 15 years, he has lived in Los Angeles and worked as a movie trailer editor. He has worked for some of the top trailer companies, cutting trailers and TV spots for movies like Gravity, American Sniper, Star Trek, and many of the Marvel movies such as Captain America, The Adventures, and Doctor Strange. His debut film, Blind Date, won the Audience Choice Award for the Stranger Danger Block at Blackbird's 2020 Film Festival, an action thriller comedy about a first date between Nick and Gloria taking an unexpected turn when Nick begins to suspect that their lives could be in danger. Please welcome David Schumann. Well, welcome, David. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. I grew up in Vancouver, Canada, even though I was born in the States. And, you know, I have my professional life has really consisted of editing. And that's really what I love. I mean, of course, I love movies and I love TV. And and I went to film school in 2000 in Vancouver to become a writer director and that was super exciting i got to direct some stuff but i really discovered editing and that was really exciting for me and it took me to los angeles and i got a job at a trailer company and and got into that whole world of movie trailers and i had always wanted to make my own film and sometimes would sit down and with an idea and start writing something and then i would stop and go i don't know what i'm doing here how do you know maybe i should start with a short film and so i started writing a short film and the first short script that I started writing I decided was too ambitious and then I came upon this idea for Blind Date and which itself was very ambitious I, I don't know how Blind Date was any less ambitious than my other idea but but that's kind of how it came to be yeah well I honestly I watched it recently a lot of plot twists that really caught me off guard. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, thank you. I wasn't intending to make a film with a lot of twists. It's just that one night I had this idea, what if the film starts and it feels like it's just a, a dating movie, kind of a romantic comedy, and then there's a turn and it becomes something else. And then where does it go from there? Oh, well, what if this character actually is not who we thought he or she was. And I just really started to work with the idea of set up and payoff, set up and payoff, set up and payoff. And so, you know, she's talking to her friend at the beginning and then her friend kind of, we learn, turns out to be someone else. And she plants certain bits of information with him on their date. And then those bits of information kind of pay off in different ways. And so it was about set up and pay off and then reveal. And when do you reveal certain bits of information? And that's all very kind of processy, but how do I make an exciting film that people are engaged in all the way through wanting to know what's gonna happen next and not have it feel, you know, like, like a cheat, not have it feel unearned. That was really important to me because I've seen films, as we all have, where there's twists and the twist kind of comes out of nowhere and feels arbitrary and I wanted it to feel earned. You seem to enjoy like the whole like thriller genre or more like action, I guess, kind of. Are there any like action films or even like you said in the beginning of the film it kind of starts off as like this romantic comedy are there any certain films that kind of inspired the blind date because i've never seen anything like it i've never watched it. <laughs> so i'm curious if there has been any like inspiration behind it yeah I, I think you know just as a lover of movies 
I love all kinds of movies. And, you know, I grew up on big American Hollywood movies, but I also love independent movies and foreign films and documentaries and, you know, everything. There's so much out there that is great. And my primary source of knowledge is Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and, you know, Back to the Future and Ghostbusters. And as an editor, working on these Marvel movies. You know, Marvel does a great job of incorporating action and suspense and character and humor. And so I guess if anything, that was kind of my primary source of inspiration. Not any particular Marvel movie, but just kind of the way that they do things is really interesting for me. And I'm not interested in action for action's sake. You know, I've seen some action movies where there's just a lot of ass kicking, but you're not related to the characters. You don't know why they're kicking ass or what they're trying to achieve by kicking ass. And, you know, you can only go so far with a well choreographed fight scene if you don't care about where the characters have come from and where they're going. And so that was source of inspiration. I guess also the Bourne movies were big, especially the Bourne identity, because that was the beginning. You know, Blind Date is, is sort of an origin story for a particular character. And there are potentially other stories for that character, but I feel like learning about them through this particular twist and this particular event was for me like the most exciting. It's funny that you mentioned future stories with a certain character because I watched until the end of the credits because as a Marvel fan myself, yeah. I've learned to, you know, wait till the end of the credits for something. And sure enough, there's like a little message there. Yeah. So as you said, you might be working on something for this character. Yeah. So are you just like kind of coming and hawing? Are you like trying to figure out what you want to do? Is it like kind of like a definite? Well, you know, I'm trying to, I have like, scenes that I've thought of. But we've seen a lot of action movies over the last few years that, you know, are from a female perspective or that incorporate male and female dynamics. And I'm just trying to think about, like, what can I do that has the same energizing feeling that Blind Date has and that feels like a, a natural continuation of this character's story. And I haven't quite figured that out yet because to do just another thing, like, so we've already done the date, right? So we're not gonna do another <laughs> date. It's not gonna be another Blind Date, right? This isn't like another stakeout. So if we already know who this character is, then what adventure are we gonna put them in that's gonna feel both organic to the character and exciting for the viewer? So that's a little bit where I, I'm stopped in, in creating another adventure. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask that question. That was the first one I wanted to ask because I, yeah. like I said, I, I saw the message and I was like, well, I, I gotta know. And I did the message, you know, kind of as an in-joke for my friends and my fellow editors and those who know that I work on Marvel movies. And it's also kind of like, it's just a fun thing to, to see, you know, and I, and I do hope one day to do another story uh, about that character because I think there is more that we could learn about about them. Okay. Also, is it, I guess, is it safe to say the Blind Date can be kind of, I guess, inspired by like 80s style films, I should say. Because I was getting kind of like an 80s vibe watching Blind Date. Because I mean, obviously, Gloria, the song itself, and then you have like the Saved by the Bell kind of font going around, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's all the lightning bolts and like uh, things like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've been asked that before. The Gloria song, I, you know, my dad played that for me when I was a kid. And and I don't know at which point the song came into play 
or if I thought of the song and then decided to name the character Gloria or the, I don't really remember, but the movies of Michael Mann were another big inspiration, especially Collateral. I watched that a couple of times before shooting Blind Date. And the title font, you know, it's just one of those funny things that kind of happens in the process, you know, but I just thought, oh, it should look like, like a rock album cover, you know, like it kind of looks like Bruce Springsteen's The River. And uh, I did have this idea for the title to incorporate blue and pink in some way, just but have it be kind of subtle and that kind of male, female 80s style. And then I had this brilliant graphic artist named Mitch Monson, who worked at the company that I worked for, Motion. And I asked him to do the titles and he agreed and he did this beautiful, you know, hand-drawn font. And that was really, really cool. But yeah, the 80s aspect of it just kind of happened. Oh, and then also the other thing is when we did the crowdfunding campaign, I wanted to make a really cool pitch video and we used the music from Drive in the video. And we actually temp scored the movie with the score from Drive. So the 80s quality, that kind of Drive, Michael Mann style, it just kind of weaved its way into the film. So David, I noticed on the movie's Facebook page that this was crowdfunded. How was that process for you? Yeah, I actually was going to ask, like, what was the budget for your um, film, The Blind Date? Like what you know, funding-wise, what it went into it. So I knew when I was writing it that it was going to be something that was going to require a lot of money. And I decided that I was going to do a crowdfunding campaign. That was also the first time I had done that. And I did a lot of research. I watched a lot of pitch videos and saw how people kind of ran their campaigns. And, you know, as an editor, as somebody who, you know, values, you know, professional work, look, I get people only have the knowledge that they have and only have the resources that they have. But some of the pitch videos I saw were truly awful. And it's a shame because I could tell that that there's a lot of passion. But one of the things somebody told me when I was asking about pitch videos is they said your pitch video should reflect your film and it should be of a quality that reflects what your film is going to be. So I cast the actors with this idea that we were going to shoot our first rehearsal and have that be kind of the footage that we showed as part of the crowdfunding campaign. And we were going to interview the actors and I was going to say all my spiel for the crowdfunding campaign. But we ended up raising $30,000 and then I had to spend some of my own money. So I think the final budget was around like $37,000, which is so much money. And you think like, why would you have to spend that much money? And yet working for my company, they comped me the poster, the finishing, the coloring, the sound mix. I got to use the VO booth for ADR. I got so much for free or for lower cost. But when you factor in locations and and permits and food and everybody needs to get paid and we shot for four nights and then there's the equipment, it all kind of adds up really quickly. And I've paid the actors as well. I felt very strongly that I wanted to pay the actors. And I also shot a short a couple months ago remotely. And it's really important to me that everybody working on it gets paid. You know, if you have a friend who's a DP and you have friends who can do all this stuff and friends who are actors who are willing to do it for free, well, then great. But I wanted a lot of people who were more experienced than me who could really guide me and tell me what to do and what not to do. And I knew that 
they deserve to be paid. So, so the crowdfunding campaign went spectacularly well, but it took a lot of work, you know, and it's just me. I'm, I'm the one typing everything up and coming up, up with the incentives and talking to people and finding crew and having phone conversations and email exchanges and, and doing all that. But I do want to say I had this great resource, this guy I know, Joshua Paul, who is a producer. He just produced his first film, Bloody Hell, which is coming out this year. And he also produced movie trailers and we used to work together. And he came on late in the crowdfunding process and put in some money and came on as a producer. And he owned his own company at the time. And a lot of the people that he worked with also worked on the film as well as PAs or a producer. And his wife was a costume designer. So she worked on the film as well. And one of the biggest things that I learned Mitch was to never stop having conversations with people and telling them about your film and about your project because it does two things. The more people you tell, the more people that A, know about it, get excited for you, want to know how things are going, will contribute to the crowdfunding campaign, and that it builds a level of support. You know, even other parents at my daughter's school, I would say, oh, I'm working on directing my first short film. Oh, you should talk to my friend who's a producer or my friend who's a costume designer. Oh, great, boom. And even if those contacts don't necessarily come to anything, it's all good stuff. The other thing that it did is it kind of put me on the hook for making this film actually happen. Because if you tell enough people that you're working on a film, you gotta make the film, right? Yeah, motivation. Yeah, it's, it's motivation. And it kind of kept the fire going for me. And, you know, I just, I learned so much. However, with this other film that I shot a couple months ago, we shot it remotely. I didn't do anything that I did with Blind Date. I didn't do a crowdfunding campaign. I used my own money. It was essentially just me as the producer and the director and the writer and the two actors. Because, so I wanted to do something smaller and more intimate. And that wasn't so much about the plot mechanics as it was about the characters. And that was equally challenging and, and fun. And so I'm hoping to have that done uh, next year. So I'm just kind of curious from the standpoint of like a first time filmmaker, like what challenges that you came across and like, how did you overcome them? And like what other like lessons that you may have like learned during like this whole um, process of making Blind Date? Well, because it was my first film, you know, Having worked in the trailer industry and known people in the film industry for a long time, I had a lot of connections and that was hugely beneficial. My cinematographer, Christopher Gallo, is a very accomplished DP on on documentaries and commercials and he was really helpful. You know, we would be on set and he'd say, okay, what's the shot? And I would take so long to explain what the shot was because I'm saying, okay, the camera's here and these actors are coming here and then we're gonna move around. He's like, just what is the shot, man? <laughs> you know? So that was really good. I learned a lot about just communicating simply what my idea is in a way that everyone gets it and can achieve it. And, you know, we had some not obviously complicated camera moves in the short, but there are a couple that were a little tricky and took, took a lot to pull off. Also, I learned a lot about directing actors. And a film like this, which in some ways is very technical and the lines have to, for the most part, incorporate every word because every word helps to tell the story. But the characters are very important. They're not just pawns. It's not like a, they're not running away from Transformers or something. The, these characters are telling the story. And so the performances had to be very on point and very specific. And you can't just say to an actor, no, no, it should sound like this or 
say it more threatening or you know, be more scared. You know, you have to really explain it in such a way that, that they get it and can really play the emotion of it and the background of it. And so I felt fairly confident working with them. And Tyler and Zane and Kara, they were all really great and really fun to work with. Well, here's the, I think the biggest thing that I learned, especially being on set. I had producers and I had a crew working on Blind Date, but they were doing it in service of me. So I was the one pushing the train. I was the one saying, okay, we have this location. Can you guys come to this location and look at it and figure out how we can best shoot it? I did storyboards. So I had really thought about it a lot, about how to shoot it, how I wanted it cut. And I learned that when you're on set, you know, some of that stuff can happen and some of it is not gonna happen. Because you have time, you have light, you have things that show up that you can't even possibly think of ahead of time. And a good example is the opening scene. So in the opening scene, the character of Gloria is walking down the street and she's on the phone with her friend and she's walking to the restaurant to go on the date. And the way I had scripted it and storyboarded it was she's walking down the street. We see her in a wide shot as she's walking. So we get a sense of the space and then we cut into a medium as she's walking you know, towards the camera. We're tracking with her and then we see her POV of people passing her and they're looking at her and you know, noticing her, she's got a very attractive quality about her. And I had set it just as the sun was setting. And when it came time to shoot that, we really only had time to shoot her medium and not the wide and not the POV. And we didn't even have extras to be bystanders. I stepped in and that one take as the lone bystander passerby. And, you know, it just forced me to, to think about, okay, what's the most important shot? My AD was like, Okay, you have these four or five shots here on the shot list. What's the most important one? Obviously, the one of her face, where she's talking. And, you know, my DP was like, let's go down here where we can get the sun setting in the background. And we only had time for like five or six takes. And a lot of it was the same with some of the walk and talk scenes that happen in the middle of the movie. You know, you just have to like really figure out what are your most important shots? that are going to be the most important for telling the story. So that's a few things that I learned. I'll answer your question with one more thing. All throughout this process, filmmaking forces you to think of creative solution for things that you think have to be a particular way. Well, if you're faced with a situation where they cannot be that way, what are you gonna do instead? Are you gonna freak out? Or are you just gonna calmly look at what your resources are and figure it out? And there was a lot of that on Blind Aid. Honestly, I feel like sometimes some of that, you know, quick on the spot spitball stuff can sometimes end up being the most like valuable footage that you get. Because when you're forced to, you know, work on the spot and do all this stuff last minute, it kind of, like you said, forces you to get creative. Yeah, you know, the fight sequence I had choreographed with our stunt coordinator and our stuntman and, and Tyler, I think two nights before. And I had kind of figured out the shots and how we were going to visually capture this this fight so that it looked realistic. And they had choreographed the all the moves and the flip. And there's a, a line leading up to it where she stops him in the street and she's like, are you this? And he's like, no, no, it's none of that. And then she says something just before the fight happens. And I realized in post that we had only captured that her saying that line one time. And it was not how I wanted it to be, like nothing about it was right. And th that for me was kind of like an important line, not in terms of plot, but in terms of momentum. That's the mo the point where the music rises, stop, punchline, boom, we're fighting. And 
So we just had to use what we got because we couldn't go back to the sidewalk and get the crew back and get the actor back for one line. That's not going to work. So when we recorded ADR, uh, I had her re-record the line because even the recording of it was terrible. It was just all, it was all bad. And so we just had to figure it out. You know, it doesn't make or break the film, but as a filmmaker, you see every little thing that's in your mind wrong or not quite right or not as it should be. And at some point you just have to go, okay, well, it, it just is what it is and making it as great as we can be with the resources we have. Right. I mean, the amount of times me and Mitch have worked on films together and had to switch some things up just in the editing process alone, re-recording lines and stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. I'm curious, did Tyler have any previous fighting experience? Because it looked very realistic. Because I remember watching and I was like, did he actually hit him? Because like, it looked very, I was like, yeah, he did just flip that guy. Okay. And it was just, it seemed very, very real. You know, I don't know if Tyler had fight experience, but he was very excited to do it. He, you know, he has an athletic build so he's obviously in shape but i don't know if he had had other fight experience but he he certainly was able to pull it off very believably and fortunately it's not like we're doing single take john wick stuff where he has to really do multiple moves in one take we were able to do it in kind of multiple takes but you know you know we've all seen fight sequences that are just too tight or too much to follow what's happening it just feels like it's more a fight sequence in the editing than it is the actual choreography. And it was important for me to, for it to be fast and feel explosive, but to also kind of understand where you were in the space, where the characters were, where Gloria was in relation to those guys, and that you could follow the trajectory of the fight. Yeah, I, I often watch um, action films, and just like you said, everything seems to be just like a kind of like a blur. You don't know where you are, and it's disorienting. And yeah, I, that was one of the things that um, kind of like came across my mind is that this this fight was very clear. You knew what was going on, and it wasn't like like filmmakers have like they slow down a fight to make sure everyone can see it. But that wasn't the case with this one. It was everything was clear, everything was fast enough, and it was just it looked very real. Yeah. So yeah, kudos to that. That was on that because that was a, that was yeah. quite amazing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, thanks. And I was, and a lot of that also has has to do with our editor Jay Bender, who's, you know, one of my best friends, and we've worked together editing trailers for years. And um, you know, he's a genius. He cut the last few trailers for Infinity War and Endgame, and he's just an amazing dude. And one of my closest friends uh, as far as movies go, and his sense of editing and style and tone is so precise and he did this thing that even I didn't notice where he cut the where the the attacker swipes his knife he actually used that cut twice and you don't even really notice it because of the flurry of of the action but um, he did a really great job speaking of um editing I was curious obviously you've worked on a couple of like Marvel films and you worked on a couple other movies for trailers like what was like your favorite like trailer to make well I'll tell you one of my favorite movies to work on was uh, Gravity. And I did the trailer that played at Comic-Con for Gravity. And it was, I could have worked on that movie forever. What they allowed us to do with the campaign was so interesting. And I think Warner Brothers won uh, an award for their campaign for Gravity. I'll tell you a funny story. So in the Comic-Con trailer, we play out the whole first sequence where the space station gets attacked and she's spinning around and she flies off. And then from there, we kind of went into some, kind of a more trailery montage sequence. 
and we ended on another kind of big explosive sequence where uh, she's at another space station and it gets hit and she's kind of tossed around. And I had sound designed every little explosion and every little metal rip and whoosh by and everything. And it was so cool. I had spent so much time on it. And on the mixing stage, uh, Alfonso Cuaron was there and he was sitting next to me and he was very wonderful guy, very friendly. And uh, he let me ask him questions about the movie and and he was great. And he's like, this is great. This is great. We watched it you know, on a mixing stage. They play it on a big screen. He said, this is great. And he said to the mixer, he said, can you do me a favor? Can you just play it again with all of the sound effects taken out? And I was like, oh no. And so we watched it and he's like, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, great, great. He's like, does that work for you? I was like, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever you want, man, you know. Just spent hours adding them all in, but it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I only spent days working on the volume of the piece of metal that flies by her. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, editing trailers is, uh, it's very hard work. And people who watch trailers, you know, I have this joke that, you know, you could spend days and days and months and months on a trailer going through multiple versions and multiple versions of multiple versions and you're competing against other editors and other companies and then the trailer finally finishes and it's in the theater and somebody sees it and their reaction is eh. I hate to say it I have I have had that reaction totally I have too um but yeah trailer editing is uh I love it and I hate it you know I, I'm I, I I got laid off from my company in July and have since been working on the the bachelor and the bachelorette which is kind of like trailers and also kind of not it's a different kind of challenge and and i confess i'm not a fan really of the show but it's still a fun challenge and a lot less stressful than than trailer editing and i bring a lot of my trailer editing skills to the teases of the show so yeah it's gotta be entertaining at least <laughs> it is entertaining it is and you know to me it's all it's all good stuff i mean you know i used, I used to sit there you know late, late at night i'm working it till 11 o'clock at night on a, a BTS piece for Captain Marvel. And I'm thinking, God, this this sucks. But at least I'm not editing infomercials or, you know, really hating my job. I mean, you know, so I have some late hours. I get to work on these amazingly cool movies and, and see stuff that I normally would never have seen. And that was my dream. That was what I wanted to do. And I love filmmaking and I do eventually want to transition out of editing into being a filmmaker full time. But as a side hustle, it's the best. I'll tell you one other thing about Gravity. So Gravity, I don't know if you know this, but Quran previs the entire movie before they shot it. And we had that previs version. So the entire movie, shot for shot, was done in the computer. And that's what we worked from when we were putting together the trailers at first. And then we got the film. And if you compare the two, I don't know if they if he put this on the DVD or anything, but they are exactly alike. I mean, he shot the film, designed the film according to that previs. And that was really fascinating to see because even I couldn't tell what was real, what was CG. I could have sworn their, their suits were real, but it turns out they weren't. I, I don't know, to this day, I still can't even tell, I think. 
that movie is just amazing. You know, one of the great things about my job is just being able to see all of the ways in which movies are made. You know, I got to see a four hour version of Step Brothers. How do I get access to that? Honestly, I wish I got to see a four hours of Step Brothers. <laughs> it is gone. It is gone. But it was, there was some stuff that was so funny that they didn't even include it. You know, that when they put out their DVDs, they have all the extra scenes and stuff. Yeah. I saw scenes that they didn't even include there. But so that was, that's one of the perks of my job. But anyway. I'll, all right, change job to trailer editor. Definitely. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I want to thank David again for joining us on the Blackbird Film Podcast to talk about his film, Blind Date. Yeah, what a great film. I mean, like I said, a lot of uh, fun, action-packed plot twists in there, so be sure to check it out. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of the Blackbird Film Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our feed on Spotify, and we are also now on Apple. Also follow us on Instagram at Blackbird Film Podcast, and you can also check out our festival's website at www.blackbirdfilmfestival.com. Thanks again for tuning in. So long. <laughs>